Hello, and welcome to 7-Minute Opinions, your audio guide to thought-provoking arguments from a variety of the week's writers and thinkers. I'm Jeff Spross, and today I'd like to talk about America's broken-down bus system. The city bus just ain't what it used to be. Over the last decade, bus ridership has dropped 13% across the country. Cities from Miami to Memphis to Cincinnati are reducing the number of routes and cutting the number of buses on those routes. And these struggles are actually a microcosm for the full sweep of America's economic dysfunction. The crash of September 2008 brought the largest bankruptcies in world history. The economy's nosedive in 2008 created a domino effect that would knock America's bus system so far down it likely can't recover. First, household incomes would fall across the country, which meant municipal tax revenues took a hefty cut. Without those taxes, cities would cut services like city buses, routes would become less reliable, commute times longer, and fares more expensive. Eventually, ridership would fall, which means the bus system gets even less money through fares, which forced further cuts. It's a transit death spiral that left the bus system running on fumes. And it was the poor and minorities who were hit the hardest. Americans who use public transit the most tend to be poorer and less white than Americans as a whole. But there's a race and class segregation within public transit, too. Bus riders tend to be poorer and less white than subway riders. And America's subway systems have actually boosted services and ridership by at least 10% over the last decade which leaves city buses stigmatized as the transit system of choice for the lower classes and society's riffraff. And this stigma feeds into funding choices for local governments. Los Angeles' Bus Riders Union, for example, has been fighting the city government for decades. The union has accused the city of funneling a disproportionate share of transportation budgets into the subway system, despite the fact that buses account for far more of the city's overall public transit use. So again, bus routes get cut, fares go up, stations are neglected, and buses go without upkeep, sometimes even air conditioning. All of which just reinforces the material divide and the cultural stigma, creating a pernicious feedback loop. In turn, low-income Americans and people of color are further pushed to the fringes of the economy. And the thing is, access to reliable and affordable transportation is crucial for Americans trying to find jobs and keep their jobs. For less fortunate Americans, when city bus systems struggle, that just ropes them even more tightly into poverty. But we're hardly done here. Two long-term trends are making things even worse. For one, there's gentrification. In recent decades, upper-class white Americans have come flooding back into the cores of many American cities. That population has reinvigorated property values and jump-started many urban economies. But it's also pushed minority and low-income Americans further into outlying suburbs. And bus service to those far-flung areas is more expensive, takes longer, is less frequent, and gets the budget act sooner than service in city cores. The other long-term trend is the decades of rising inequality. Wages for the poor and working classes have stagnated, making it even harder for those populations to contribute to bus systems through either fares or tax revenues. What we have is problems compounding problems. So, 
What are we supposed to do about all this? Well, cities are experimenting with different ideas, from rejiggering transportation budgets to partnering with and subsidizing ride-sharing companies. And these local initiatives can be worthwhile experiments, but they can also fall into similar negative feedback loops created by recessions, inequality, gentrification, segregation, and all the rest. Now, the federal government is largely immune to such negative feedback loops because it can deficit spend when the economy falters. So if city bus systems are going to expand again, federal spending on buses will have to dramatically expand to drive that resuscitation. One solution is to have federal and local governments partner on or divide up the administration of that spending. But the money itself still has to come from the federal level. The old system of revenue sharing, which was abandoned in the 1980s, could actually provide a model here. The federal government should dedicate permanent streams of revenue to local governments around the country to create bus systems that are robust, reliable, fast, well-maintained, and that extend well into outlying suburbs. And, most importantly, that spending should not waver during economic downturns. Another thing to note is that bus systems are relatively easy to scale up. American infrastructure projects like subways and light rails are notorious for inefficiencies, delays, and cost overruns. But for buses, you mostly need to tweak the systems already in place. As in, buy more vehicles, hire more workers, improve routes, timetables, and maps, and dedicate more lanes. If city buses are a microcosm for our country's struggling economy, they're also the low-hanging fruit when it comes to rapidly and efficiently expanding public transit systems. A better bus system is well within our reach. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Opinions. Look out for new episodes every Tuesday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. To listen to more of The Week's Opinion Makers, go to theweek.com slash podcasts, where you'll also find our 7-Minute Explainers and This Week I Learned series. And as a thank you for listening to this episode, we'd like to offer you four risk-free issues of The Week magazine. To get those, visit theweek.com slash for free. I'm Jeff Spross, and thanks so much for listening. <laughs>